It's good to come into God's house with God's people and sing God's praises. And now we're turning into God's Word. Amen? Amen. Well, hopefully you do have a copy of uh, God's Word. And if you would, um, we'll be in several places today. We have been embarking on a series together. We've been going on a journey um, through this series called Arise. And we want to define what it means for our church to, just like it says, become the church that, that God intended. And we started out talking about in this series the, the need to, to, to be uh, t- the, these two pillars. That, that Tony talked about uh, the, the great commandment and what that is. And, and, and we talked about the great commission and what that is. And we talked about um, the, the need to, to be servants and, and to come along beside one another as servants and, and what that means to serve. And so what I want to do today is be super practical with you, okay? Because I know sometimes people come to church and you don't want to always say, I don't, want, I don't, I don't need a, a bunch of deep things to... I want you to just, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. That's what I want. Well, i got to be careful with that because sometimes when you just... When someone just tells you what to do, you, you just do it without even really embracing the gospel in the middle of it. So it's kind of a kind of a hard thing for me to do today to just give you some really practical things to do with the great commandment and the great commission, but still wrap all of it around what the gospel is. So that's where we're going today. We're still talking about a rise. We're still talking about those two pillars that we want to uh, put as, as, as focal points in our church, the, the great commandment. And the great commandment says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we talked about the great commission being all, uh, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We talked about what that looks like. We, 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 we examined those passages and what those words and phrases mean for us. Now we're going to look at both of them together. And I'm going to give you some ways that that you, hopefully you can go away today and, and, and see that great commandment that Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And hopefully you can go away with some information or with some tools in your arsenal that you can say, I can do that now. I, I, I know what I can do to, to love God with, with everything that I am. And, and then we'll talk about the Great Commission, what it looks like for our church to personally, corporately, practically, how, how you and I can... Come along beside one another, being the church that God intended us to be, and how we can fulfill uh, a great commission. Um, I'm always, when, when I look at big statements like these two in Scripture, I, I'm, I'm an imaginative t- kind of guy. I have an imagination, and I've toned it down since I've got older, but um, sometimes I, I think about these things like if this is the greatest commandment, I, I imagine myself, but when I pass on from this life, Standing before Jesus and he says that back to me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And I imagine him just pausing and staring at me. And, and that, in my mind, I want, to, I want Jesus not, not to look at me and say, where were you on that one? And I don't want... 
and when I think about the Great Commission, when the last thing that Jesus told His followers before He ascended into heaven was to go and make disciples of all nations. And then I think about, would He pause and look at me with that one as well and say, Dude, where were you? So, so for us as a church, we need to look at these. And hopefully today we can examine these and maybe you can have a, hopefully a good understanding of how you can, 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 can do these things. First of all, the great commandment. Um, there's three things that I'm going to talk about today, really, three things. First is love God, uh, love others, and love His mission. And I think if you were to write those down, uh, love God, uh, love others, and love His mission, and, and commit to those, I think that maybe you can go away today with uh, something in you in your mind of ways you can do that. Uh, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. A lot of times, I think we look at a passage like that and we want to take it apart and say, Well, well, maybe I need to do... How, l- let me love the Lord with all my heart. Well, let me think of how I can love God with all of my heart. I want to love God because Jesus told me to. I want to love Him with all of my heart. And then, uh, th- what's next? Uh, all my soul. Well, what does that mean? So then I, first I need to love God with all my heart, right? And then I'll move on to love God with all my soul, right? And then I'll look, what's next? And if, once I figure out those two, all my strength. Well, how do I love God with all my strength? And some of you are thinking, I'm not very strong. Can I not love God as much as a really strong person can? I don't know if you've watched some of those uh, World's Strongest Men competitions. These guys are incredible. They take like Volkswagen Beetles and throw them over walls. I mean, they're, 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 could, could they love God more because they're stronger? And then he goes on to say, love God with all your mind. Well, maybe I need to learn better and be smarter. Well, it's not really uh, separate things. You don't have to learn how to love God with all your heart and then learn how to love God with all your soul. And then maybe you can learn how to love God with all of your mind and all of your strength. It's really just compacted together. And the emphasis is just love God with everything you got. And that's really the, the, the force behind this passage. And, and sometimes when we think, well, what does it look like to love God? And, and, I, and I, I, I made note of this verse. Matthew chapter 10 should be on the, the screen. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, talking about loving uh, Him, He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So we're supposed to love God with everything that we are more than we love anything else. Even our family. Like even your kids. You're really committed and passionate about your kids. I see some of y'all. I, I want to be committed and passionate about my kids. But Jesus said, you got to love me more than you love your kids. you got to love me more than you love your parents. That's a lot of love, folks. That's hard. That's a tough passage right there. Yet Jesus knows what is best for us. See, the thing is, is God is not some big, mean ruler that He wants to impose on you these things that are just going to weigh you down and burden you and there's no way you can even have any peace in your life because you're working so hard of, oh my God, I make sure I, my, my kids, don't, I don't love them as much as I love God and, and, and you're sorting all this stuff in your life. I want to love Him with my mind. Am I loving Him with my heart today? Am I loving Him with my soul? 
But, but see, the thing, the, I think the beautiful thing of this is this, this demand that we love Him is in and of itself an act of love. Because God honestly knows what's best for you. And what's best for you is to love Him with everything you got. And then your whole life you've spent just loving God. And maybe your mind is just tangled with thoughts of God all day. And your heart is just stirred with just loving Him and wanting to know Him and wanting to know who He is and, and you want to love Him with every fiber of your spirit. See, that's, that's tough, but this demand to love Him is in and of itself an act of love. What, is, what does it look like to love God? I would say, once you write this down, loving God is submitting my life to Jesus. Loving God is submitting my life to Jesus. Letting the Holy Spirit empower and guide me. Glorifying God with every aspect of my life. So what does it look like for someone? What, is, what does a person's life look like if they love God? Well, somebody might say, well, if somebody loves God, they probably pray, right? Well, you know, there's a lot of praying going on. And I, I, I'm always thrown off by the conversation of... Um, they're, they're taking prayer out of school. The only way you're going to take prayer out of school is you take believers out of school. And I don't know if you've looked back through history, people have tried to get rid of believers, but we don't die off too easy. Right? What, is, what, is, what does it mean? So love God with prayer. Does that mean you just got to make sure you pray every day? Does it does mean you gotta, you got to get a little checklist? Oh, I didn't pray today. I better, I better do that or I'm not really loving God as much. You know, I think it's not just about praying. I think it's desiring a sustained and deep fellowship of daily communion with God. It's not just, oh, I got to pray today. It's that, oh, I get to come before my Father and express my needs and my desires before Him. Folks, that's prayer. And we get to do that. And I think someone who's loving God is a, is a person of prayer. I've read through... Uh, uh, biographies of giants of our faith that have gone on before us. And some of them would wake up and they would spend a couple of hours before they ate breakfast and did anything else. Like two solid hours of prayer. Now, did they, were they doing that because, oh, i got to make sure I'm loving God? No, they did it because they were so deeply committed and enjoyed that fellowship with God that they loved waking up. And having that fellowship with God in prayer. So somebody who loves God is a person of prayer. Somebody who loves God is in the Word. Not, but, but, but not just reading the Bible every day. Like anybody can read the Bible every day. Lost people can read the Bible every day. There's Muslims that read our Bible every day. There's cult leaders that read our Bible every day. So it's not about just, oh, i got to pray no, it's not about praying. It's about having a deep communion fellowship with God. It's not about just reading the Bible, but it's about living on the nourishment of the very words of God. When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word from the mouth of God, Jesus was emphasizing that the words of God, they're, they're not just words, that on, they're not just dark letters on a page, but it's something that sustains us. You ever skipped a meal? You ever skipped a few meals? It's kind of hard, huh? You start... Your stomach, your stomach starts grumbling a little bit. You start getting cranky and people around you say, what's wrong with you? I just hadn't eaten anything. And they're like, here's a Snickers. So you'll be nicer. We don't skip meals very often. 
But why is it that we skip times of, 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 of God's Word? Well, maybe it's not because, oh, oh, I just didn't check that box today. Maybe it's because when we want to love God, maybe we don't realize how important God's Word is in our life, in our spirit, in our heart every day. See, it's, why is it easier, easier to skip times in the Word than it is to skip lunch? Let me challenge you with something. Why don't, this week at work, why don't you, instead of eating lunch during your lunch break, you read the Bible for an hour? Oh, whoa. Why, why would anyone do that? And then somebody's looking, to, looking at you like, so what's the deal? You're not eating lunch? You're just going to read the Bible today? Well, maybe it's just because you just have a deep love for God and God has called you to love Him more than anything else with every fiber of your being. What about church? Shouldn't somebody that love God, loves God go to church? I don't think somebody that loves God just goes to church. I think they're committed to the body of Christ, the family of God. And they're here and they're glad to be here. And they're glad to serve. And church is not about them, but it's about glorifying God. And see, when we make church about us, we say, well, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. People leave churches all the time for the wrong reasons. Because this, this wasn't how I wanted it. This wasn't how I wanted it. Well, folks, I got news for you. It's not about you. It's about Him. And I'm glad it's about Him. Because if it's about us, then I mean, we got to do... I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do something else. I'm going to join another uh, club or something. But it's about Him. And when we come together today, I don't know if you thought about this, but when you were driving to, uh, to church today, you got to come to God's house with God's people to hear God's Word and sing God's praises. It's an amazing thing. And if you're truly loving God, you, you just are so excited about that. So people who love God, they, they're in prayer and they're in the Bible and they're in church. And they're not just committed to evangelism, but they have a burden for the lost. Do you, do you really have a burden for the lost? See, I hate the idea of people, anyone, spending an eternity, a Christless eternity. So if you really love God, you're going to love others. And if you love God and others, you're going to pray for the lost. You're going to have a burden for the lost. You're going to pray for boldness. You're going to pray for an opportunity. I know people that pray for opportunities um, just about every day. And, and, and they're basically, they'll, they'll tell me, if you pray for an opportunity to share your faith, the only way that's not going to happen is if you go in your closet and shut the door all day. Because God is, is, is about His evangelism ministry. He's about other people hearing about Him. And He's about using you, an obedient, willing person that says, You know what, Lord? Today, I have a burden for lost people. God, just put somebody in my path. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. Put somebody before me that I can encourage them and I can share the gospel with them. Folks, it'll happen. If you pray that, it's going to happen. Next thing you know, you're not even close to work and somebody's called you up or you stop at the gas station and, and you feel like the Lord's leading you to talk to this person. It just happens. But someone who loves God, they're not just thinking about evangelism. They just have, they have a burden for the law. Somebody who loves God with every fiber of their being, they don't just sing in church. Here's what they do. They have a heart that overflows with joy and they can't help but lift up beautiful singing or a joyful noise, whatever you can do. Some people can't really sing and it's okay if you can't sing. Because the Bible says lift up that joyful noise and I've sit around some of y'all and sometimes it's a good racket. But that's okay. 
Because you love God with everything you got. And, and you get to come to God's house with God's people and sing His praises. But why is it sometimes we're like, I don't like that song. Well, just come on. It's just not about you. And then when you love Him with everything you got, and that music starts to play. And I don't know if you've ever studied the word sing in Scripture. You're commanded to sing. God is passionate about the singing of His praises. He's, it's, it's important to Him for, for choirs to sing, for God's people to sing. The Bible says sing praises. Psalm 911 says, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned. When you're loving God with every fiber of your being, you don't just get to come and sing in church. You get to resonate from your heart that's been transformed. The songs of God and you lift them up. Somebody who loves God, they're not just committed to a Sunday school class or a small group Bible study, but they're committed to the fellowship of other committed Christian friends. We need one another. If you really love God with everything that you got, everything that's in you, you're going to be drawn to other believers and you're going to realize how much you need them. And you're going to pray for them. And you're going to call them up. And you're going to love them. So loving God has a lot to do with a lot of stuff. But it's not just doing these things. It's not just uh, praying and, and reading your Bible and singing and coming to church and doing evangelism and, and, and being a part of Sunday school. It's about com- committing your whole life to His, his way and every, every fiber of who you are. Somebody who loves God with everything they are, they don't... They don't just go on mission trips. I said Wednesday, and, I, and after I went home, I kind of struggled with that, that statement that I said, because I said Wednesday that, that, I'm, that I don't really like to travel. And I, and I went home, I was like, I don't know if I should have said that. And now I'm saying it Sunday morning. But I thought about it, and if you just give me an opportunity to do nothing, there's a good chance you can ask my wife. I probably want to stay home. So I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just like to go on mission trips to ooh, see the sights. But I long for other tongues, other nations, other tribes. I long for them to worship the same God that I worship. That's what compels me. That's what, in, in, a, in a week and a half, that's, that's, what's, that's what's part of driving me to go to Southeast Asia to a closed country that doesn't allow missionaries to go there. That's part of me wanting to go there. It's not because, oh, I get to go there. No, I'd be all right staying home. But I understand God is calling me to do that. And I need to do that because He's calling me to do that. And I want to love Him with every fiber of my being, everything that I am. And He's calling me to do that. And I long for those other nations to cry out, The Lord reigns. Someone who loves God is not a fan of Jesus, but they adore Jesus and daily submit to Him as the master of their life. I think what happens in churches, there's a lot of fans of Jesus. There's a lot of fans, yeah. I like Jesus, He's a good guy. We don't need fans of Jesus. We need people who follow Jesus with everything that they got every day. When it's good or when it's bad. And when it's bad, you say... Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when it's good, you say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And each and every step of the way, you submit to a Jewish carpenter that lived 2,000 years ago. 
Someone who truly loves God is someone who has been transformed. And folks, everything is affected by it. And here's the, the, the key thing in loving God with everything that you are. You've got to get this. And, it says, and I wrote it like this. You can love God with every area of your life because you can't. Does that make sense? No. You can do it because you can't. Now, what does that mean? It means that loving God is something in your flesh, in your strength, in your own personality, in your own mind, in your own heart, in your own soul, in your own strength. It's something that is impossible for you to do. But if you understand that through Christ, through the redemption, through what Jesus did on the cross, He indwells you and He lives in His strength through you, you can do it. Okay? You can love God with everything, every part of who you are, because you can't. <laughs> he can do it through you. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you say, tomorrow morning, wake up in the morning and say, God, I understand that I need to love you with every fiber of my being, every part of my heart and soul and mind and spirit and strength. I understand that I'm called to do that. But God, I also understand that in my strength, there's no way I can accomplish that. So I'm just going to trust you today. I'm just going to walk with you today because I need your help today. Because if it's up to me today, I'm going to blow it. Right? Y'all are with me on that one, huh? If it's in my strength, I will blow it. So we need to love God. Loving God always leads to the next thing, loving others. It says, love, you know, The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength with all your mind. Then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. I always struggle with that. Like, what does that mean? What, what was this dealing with? The self-love. What does that mean? And I think sometimes we, 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 we try to make it about self-esteem or something. If you, if you have a really good self-esteem, then you're, you can love others. But that's not really what it's talking about. First of all, Jesus is commanding. He's not commanding self-love. He's assuming it. Love others as you already are loving yourself. Now, what does that mean? So let's look at this. What does it mean to love yourself? It means seeking your own happiness. Now, I know in a congregation like this, when I start talking about seeking your own happiness, some of y'all start twitching and say, I, mean, I, don't, I don't read those kind of books, Brother Rye. I don't like the self-help section. I like the, the deep walking in valleys with God when we have to and celebrating the mountaintops when we have to. But honestly, I think that we all really need to seek our own happiness. Well, we have to understand where our true happiness comes from. It comes from Him. And we seek Him. When we really, or when we're out for our best interest, and our best interest, when we really understand that our best interest is in Him, and when we love others that way as well, that we're looking out for our best interest, which is loving God with everything that we have, then we want others to be looking out for their best interest as well. And that's them loving God with everything that they have. John Piper said, Men love themselves. It's given in nature. I feed myself and give myself rest and take vacations and hug my wife. And I do a hundred other things all day long to provide for my needs and make my life fulfilling. I love myself. Even if a person drinks himself crazy and smokes three packs a day and finally commits suicide, the reason is not that he doesn't love himself, but his notion of what would make him happy is wrong. And I agree with that. We do look out for ourselves. 
But this, this point of this command of loving your, your neighbor as you already love yourself, you're supposed to love others. Be as concerned about their happiness, be as concerned about the happiness of others as we of, are of our own happiness. We ought to want to fill other bellies as much as we want to fill our own. When you get really, really hungry, are you really thinking about feeding somebody else? No, you're, you're looking out for yourself. It's okay. It's something that we're, we're born with. We're made when, when we get hungry, you go find food, right? If, if we weren't made like that, then we wouldn't be here today because our in, people have gone on before us. They'd, they'd have starved to death. But we look for food when we're hungry and we ought to love others that way too. We ought to want to fill their belly to relieve others suffering as much as we want our own relieved. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and 4. Paul says this in Philippians. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, because we do that, right? We're pretty good at looking out for our own interest, but also to the interest of others. So love God, love others, love yourself, take care of yourself, understand what you need the most, and that's Jesus. Understand what others need the most, and that's Jesus. We want everybody to love God with everything that they are. The truest, fullest, and most satisfied a person can be is submitted to Christ. Seek that for yourself. Seek that for others. So when we love God, it always leads to loving others. It always does. And when we love God and love others, loving God and loving others always leads to loving the mission of God. So let's look at the Great Commission. The Gospel of Mark says it like this, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's a pretty bold statement. Now we believe as followers of Jesus that the commission of Jesus to make disciples of all nations is a binding command to us today. So how do we do that? Now, this is going to be really practical because I think there's a lot of people in this room that, that, that kind of, you're, you're in our church and you, you understand that, that we're committed to missions and maybe you've gone on a mission trip or maybe you haven't yet and maybe you feel like maybe God's calling you to do something and you don't know how to do that and you think, well, it's going to cost me a lot of money and that kind of thing. So, so I'm just going to start talking now about this great commission. We understand that we need to love God with every fiber of our being and that we can't do that because we can and we can because we can't, that kind of thing. Got that? Good. We're set on that. Everybody clears mud on that. So now let's look at this Great Commission. What does it mean for us as a church to be committed to the Great Commission? So let me, let me just say that there's three types of, of Christians. When it comes to missions, I believe there's three types of Christians. There's people who go, there's people who send, and there's disobedient. Did you get that? There's radical goers, the people that will go on mission, that will go on trips. And they'll, they'll, they'll commit to go. They'll say, I'm going because God's calling me to go. There's people who send missionaries. There's people who pray for and support and encourage the goers. So the senders and the goers, and then there's disobedient. Now, one of my goals as mission pastor here at this church is to eliminate that whole category of disobedient. I don't, I don't want anybody to be in that list. I want everybody to be a goer, sender, or both. I think a lot of us can be both. So what does that look like? I think the goal first in, in any missions endeavor is that we have to be obedient to the command of prayer. Missions begins with prayer. And if you're a Sunday morning kind of crowd with us and you don't, you don't come on Sunday nights, one of the things that we do on Sunday nights is what's called global intercession. 
or we take a different nation or a people group and we pray for a different nation or a different people group every Sunday night. And I've had a lot of feedback from that. People are researching and studying. I've had people crying to me and say, hey, I've been praying for China all week and you've kind of messed me up on this. And it's good to be in prayer for other people. It's good to pray for people you've never met, probably never will meet. Every mission endeavor that we will do in our church is going to begin with prayer. And so when we pray for other nations, one of the things, one of my main goals when we pray this global intercession that we do on Sunday nights, let me just share my heart with you on that. One of the main goals that I have for that is that God would give us love and compassion. God, give us love and compassion. And so what happens is maybe, maybe we're praying for a different people group or a different nation and God is just wearing you out on that. And then you come to me and say, I've been praying for this man, for weeks and weeks and weeks and I just can't shake it. Maybe God's calling me to send or go with, with this area, with this people group. So missions uh, practically for our church is going to always have, has to begin with um, prayer. So let me ask you a question. Who are, who are you consistently praying for when it comes to the mission of God? Who are you consistently praying for? Are you praying for a missionary? Are you praying for a church planter? Are you praying, praying for other missionaries, etc. all over the world? I think we need to be in prayer. And then, but, but you need to ask God. You need to be open. This is like, okay, so you're either a goer or a sender or disobedient. So we don't want anybody to be disobedient. So what you need to do as, as somebody in our church, you need to say, you need to be open and say, God, do you want me to be a goer or do you want me to be a sender? And I'm open. I'm open to go. Maybe you don't like to go anywhere. Maybe you've never been out of the state. You start praying, God, do you want me to go on mission for you? And you start praying that intentionally. God starts working in your heart and He starts wanting to nudge you out of the door and He says, yeah, I want you to go. Yeah, I want you to go. That's scary for you, right? And so we want everybody to be either a goer or a sender. So ask God if He wants you to be a goer or a sender. So, so what does it look like to go? So what does it practically look like as our church to be going on mission? And I think sometimes if I, maybe if I were to ask you, pull you off to the side and say, well, what, what does it look like for our church to, to go on mission? And I think most of us would probably say, well, we, we go on a trip. Well, well, maybe that's what that is or, or maybe not. So um, let me just say that, that God has pressed on our heart as a church to be mission-minded and to, and to go and to sin. Um, what does going look like? I think probably three types of, of going, what we, what we can do here at our church. Short-term, you've seen a short-term mission trip. Maybe you've seen, uh, you, you, you've helped send somebody to Brazil or Moldova or, you know, we're going to Southeast Asia um, the next, next couple, couple weeks. Navajo, we get some people praying about going to the Sioux Nation in South Dakota. That's a short-term trip. Um, if you're, listen to this. I'm excited about this. If you're at least 15 years older, or 15 years old or older, then then you can spend uh, four weeks your whole summer. Like there's ways that we can get you on the mission field. Uh, most times, people studying missions they say that at age 14 is when. Most missionaries think that they're called to go on missions. So if you're, you're in high school or you're in college, I would, I would beg you. I would say, really think about this. Give up your summer. Give up your summer for missions. Because when you get older and you got kids and you got bills and everything, it's kind of hard to give up a summer and just go. Say, hey, I'll go. So why not? If you're 20, 25, and you're single and you're not married and you, and you, you can, 
Just say, why not? And I want to come along beside you because there's ways that you can spend your whole summer. Um, I'm actually praying that for, uh, for midterm opportunities for, for some of our people. Three months to three years. Listen, I think it's, I think it's, it's okay to, to say this. I think it's alright to say that there's people in our pews right now. You've been in this church long enough. You kind of understand missions is important. Maybe God's calling you to, to do like a midterm kind of thing where you spend three months to, to up to three years. If God is calling you to do that, you need to do that. Because the last thing you want to happen is step before the Lord after you've been called home and He say, go and make disciples of all nations. And then He pause and look at you. But, but you have this opportunity to spend three years. I was talking with a couple of people. They, um, they decided to spend six months in Africa with their family. They just moved down there for six months. Push pause on their job and on everything else. And they moved there and it was the greatest experience they've had. Maybe God's calling you to spend six months in Africa. I think you should do it. So there's short-term trips that everybody can be a part of. Mid-term trips that I honestly believe people are called to do that here in our church. I want to talk to you about that. Come to me and say, hey, God's calling me to go. Talk, talk with me how I can, what I need to do, that kind of thing. And then there's long-term opportunities. There's people all the time that leave lucrative jobs liquidate assets and move. They just go. They pull up their life and they go until, until they die. And I've seen senior citizens do this. They say, hey, God's calling me to spend the rest of my life on the mission field. Really? Well, that's kind of interesting. If God is calling you to be a missionary. Long term. I don't care if you're 10. I want to talk to you about that. That's good. I think it'd be awesome to say, let's say, let's say five, six, seven years from now, all these Awana Timothy Award winners, half of them were living somewhere else, serving God on the mission field. I think that'd be incredible. I got four kids. I love my kids. I love them dearly. I'd, I'd like nothing more for my kids when they get old enough to say, Daddy, i got to give my life to this, for the sake of the gospel. And I'm leaving. So I honestly think that there's somebody in this room that God's calling you to do more, to go. He's calling you out. He's stirring in your heart now. He's stirred in your heart before and you just haven't done it yet. So maybe you're being disobedient with that. And maybe you need to go. If God is calling you to go, then you need to go. Another thing that I've been praying about for our church is I'm praying that we plant a church locally. Sometimes we, we, get, we get together and we, we want to huddle up and get all of our best people together. I'm actually praying that we take some of our best people and send them away to start a new work, a new church, a church plant. I haven't even talked to Tony much about this. I haven't talked to any of y'all about this. I don't even know what that looks like. But there's people that are lost. There's over 180,000 unchurched people on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And they don't come, they're not coming here. They're different. They won't, they won't go to a big building with a big steeple. And some people say, well, there's tons of churches all, all over the place. Yeah, they are. 
But there still needs to be more churches. So I'm praying that somehow, some way, I don't know what that looks like. Church planning is a messy thing. I'm praying that we send a, we, we plan a church. Um, some people, I think, say, well, why do we need to go, go so far? Why don't we just do stuff here? You ever, heard, you ever heard that? You ever said that? I know a lot of people say that. Well, why, why don't we have to go to Brazil? Why don't we just do stuff here? Well, I'm glad you volunteered. Because here's the deal. We got a group that goes up to the children's village every month. I had a good meeting with the, with the director of uh, Gulf Coast Community Ministries who works with the homeless and underprivileged in downtown Gulfport. Every Monday they have their volunteer orientation at 10 o'clock. I'm glad you volunteered. There, there's the port ministry, the Seaman Center. They have all these international truckers that come to our port and, they, and we can minister to them. Around here. I don't know if you saw this last week, but, but I'm glad you're volunteering when you're saying, why don't we have to go? Why don't we do stuff here? If you haven't filled out one of these... There, there's, there's some of these in the Welcome Center. Maybe you don't have a place here that you're serving. We want everybody to serve. You can do it. It's fulfilling to serve here. It's fulfilling to go if you're called. Now, what does it mean to be a sender? So a goer needs to go. If, you, if you're called to go on mission, you need to go. And we, we want to make that happen. Well, maybe you're not called to go. Maybe you can't go. And I've had conversations with people before. They say, I can't go. I can't get on an airplane. I can't do it. Well, here's what you can do. You can send. You can be a sender, okay? Now, here's what this can look like for us as a sender. We, what does a committed sender look like? Um, you can encourage someone who's committed to go. You can pray for them. You can support them financially. And you can be a part of what we're going to call a mission support team. Now, a mission support team, if you're a committed goer, what you do is you say, I know I'm committed to go. I know God's calling me to go. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get five to ten people and they're going to be on, on my mission support team. A year from now, our church is... I'm, not, I'm, I'm just hypothetically... Say a year from now, our church is going on a mission trip to China. And we will. We'll be involved with China in 2012. Let's say a year from now, our church is going to China. Let's say it's going to cost you $2,200, $2,500, something like that. And you say, I can't pay for that. Well, what you do is you get a group around you who's praying for you, who's encouraging you. They're not called to go. They're called to send. And that group, they meet with you once a month and they pray with you. And they say, we're excited about going with you to China. We're going to send you. We're going to make it happen. And so your group that's praying for you and supporting you and, and, and encouraging you, maybe they put 25 or $20 a month aside for a year. If you have 10 people, listen, if you have 10 people in your mission support team, you know you're called to go. It's going to cost you $3,000 for the trip. You know you're called to go. A year from now, you have 10 people putting $25 aside a month because they're called and committed as a sender. That's all your money right there. That's everything you need. And then what happens? This is going to be a beautiful picture, okay? Whenever this works out, we're going to have a team. Let's say we have five or six going to Moldova, China, East Asia, wherever, Africa, something like that. And we get the people that we're commissioning to go because they're called to go. We're committed to the Great Commission as a church, right? Y'all with me? Am I still tracking with y'all today? I'm losing some, some people. So we're called to go and we want to be able to send as well. So we have, let's say we have six people on the stage that are going. One person standing right here and they have their ten people behind them that are sending them. One person here, 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 and here. We've got about 80 people on stage. Six of them are going to China and the other 80 have been praying for a month and supporting them. And then we come as a church and say, we all go now. And watch what God does. 
And when we pray and when we go and when we send and when we read the Great Commission and you're in, you're in this church and you say, I can't go, and, but, I, but, but I'm struggling with this Great Commission. I mean, obviously it was important to Jesus because the last thing He said to His followers before He went to heaven, it says, go make disciples of all nations. What happens when you come before Jesus, when your time is done? And He looks at you and says the Great Commission back to you. And then He says... You got, you you worked on that. So there's somebody going, somebody sending. And I don't know what it's going to look like in the future for our church. But here's what I do know. With the great commandment and the great commission. It's got to be centered and focused on grace and the gospel. Everything we do here is focused on the gospel. Grace is freedom from the curse of the works of of law, freedom from condemnation, freedom from slavery to sin, and it's freedom to worship and obey Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Religion, just being religious, checking off boxes, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. If I don't do this, then, then God's not gonna like me this week. Religion can never love or honor Jesus. It is ashamed and offended of the gospel that declares all sinners are in need of a Savior. Religion says you can save yourself, but the gospel says it's all in God's lap. He does it. So when I look at the great commandment that says, love God with every part of who you are, and I set the gospel up next to it, the gospel says that I'm, I can't do anything in my own strength. Then I look at the great commandment and I praise God for the great commandment. Because when I embrace and submit to Jesus, I can love God with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all of my mind. And I can fulfill the great commission. Such a huge task that it's taken followers of Jesus all over the world. They're dying for it. They're leaving families and homes for the sake of the gospel. You can fulfill the great commandment and embrace the great commission because of the gospel. We're going to have an invitation. Maybe you're not a believer today and you're, you're here today and you're visiting and you're thinking, well, that was a boring sermon. Maybe, you are a, maybe you're a church member and you've been here for a long time and you're thinking that was a boring sermon. We just got to come together as a faith family. And we got to embrace the great commandment and the great commission. And we can do it. If you're um, a lost person today, you need, to, you need to understand that the gospel is what can save you. You can never do enough good works to make God pleased with your actions, with your righteousness. Your righteousness is of but filthy rags. There's nothing that you can do to make your life in right standing with God. Nothing. But here's the good news. What's impossible for man is possible with God. And God made a way to reconcile your broken rebel heart to bring that heart back to Him. And you, if you're not a believer... You don't have to understand all the theology and stuff like that. You just need to say, I don't get a lot of this, but what I do get is that I need Jesus. And I would be happy to pray with you today 
And we would welcome you as a new believer today. Maybe you're a Christian today. Let me ask you a question. Do you really love God? Do you love God with every fiber of your being? Can you look at the great commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Do you really love God? Maybe you just need to pray, God, help me with that. The altar will be open. You can pray that. Or do, you, do you love others? Do you love others? Do you love God's mission? We're going to have a time of invitation. I'll be down front. I'll be happy to pray with you about anything. Just be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to be a goer, to go on mission, and you haven't been obedient to that call yet. Just come down front and, and just pray or pray where you are. Because everybody that's called to go, we want to send. And everybody that's called to send, we want to get you behind a goer. So we can all be obedient to what we're called to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for my friends who are here today. God, we're all called to to examine your scripture. God, we're all called to, to look at the pages of your word, God. The the great commandment to love God with every part of who we are, God. That is something that is commanded to each and every one of us. God, we need your help with that. In our own strength, there's no way we can do that. And God, the great commission to go and to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel to the whole of creation, as it says in Mark. Jesus, you said you will be my witnesses to the utter parts of the world. So God, that's a big task. And for us as a church, Lord, we want to we take up that task. We want to say, we'll do it. We'll go. So God, I'm, I'm praying that you would raise up missionaries out of our church. God, I'm praying for people who, who already have a family. God, if you're calling them to be missionaries, God, I pray that they would be obedient. And we'll come behind them as a church. And we'll send them. So, Lord, let us be obedient to your commands today. God, work in our hearts, work in our church, and we'll praise you. We'll just praise you for what you do in and through us. So, God, we give this time to you. God, I pray that if there's someone here today that does not know you, Lord, that you'd save them. If there's someone here today, Lord, that's just being disobedient to the command that you've called them to do, God, I pray that you would uh, provide them repentance. Lord, your word says that your kindness leads us to repentance. So, God, we pray for your kindness today as, Lord, we're led to repentance. So, God, we turn this time over to you. We love you. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.